Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for braving the storm. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not the nicest of weather outside to drive through, but uh, you're here anyway, and that's amazing. Um, if you're watching online this morning with us, we're so glad that you're here. We'd also like to ask you just to comment and let us know where you're watching from and who you are. Uh, we'd also uh, just want to let you know that there are online hosts there for you to answer questions and talk with you, pray with you, um, anything that you need. This morning, I'd like to just ask all of you to stand with us as we go into a time of worship. I count on one thing, the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out and yes I will lift you high in the lowest valley yes I will bless your name joy when my heart is heavy all my days yes I will I count I count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name.
Thank you, Father. All the glory and honor and praise to him.
Paul's words in 2 Corinthians that all we need is Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 says, But he, Jesus, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong.
morning. Now is the point in the service in which we want to pray for you. And so if any of the prayer leaders would come up, any elders that are in here or small group leaders would come up to the front. Now, now's the time that I would typically express how God is big enough to take care of anything that you can throw at him. And he certainly is. And so if you have stuff that you have going on, by all means, come up and receive prayer. But I thought it was appropriate coming off of the back of Thanksgiving to also be able to come up and express gratitude through prayer, you know, through the different blessings that he's given us in this life. Just something that somebody sent me that I wanted to share with you. It kind of takes some of the, maybe the annoyances, a little bit of the holidays, and then reframes them in a way in which we can be thankful for the many blessings that God has given us. Just for an example, early wake-ups, meaning that we have children to love. A house to clean, meaning that we have a safe place to live. Laundry, meaning that we have clothes to wear. Dishes to wash, means that we have food to eat. Crumbs under the table means that we have family meals, and I know I have many crumbs under my table. Grocery shopping means that we have money to provide for us, toilets to clean, indoor plumbing. Lots of noise means people in my life. And lastly, sore and tired in bed means that we're still alive. We have healing in our bodies. And so as you come forward today, you know, come forward with any requests that you have, but also just to express your gratitude to God for the many blessings that he's given in your life, even the ones that we take for granted sometimes maybe. Could sing these songs 
as I often do. But every song I sing, and you never do. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I stand and join us. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord Come on my soul Come on my soul But don't you get shy on me, lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs
again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And no, it's not much I've nothing else fit for a king Except for hearts singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you this morning. You are so great. Father, there is nothing that you need yet you created us so that our purpose is to worship and praise your name. God, this morning we we bring the humblest of praises to you. Knowing, God, that we are imperfect. Our praise is imperfect beings are imperfect but you love us anyway and you don't forsake us whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley you don't forsake us and we praise you anyway Father God would be with Pastor Rich as he brings your message this morning let it not be his words but God yours and as you speak to us this morning I pray that you would open and soften our hearts Allow us to take your teachings and put them into practice in our own lives. Even when we're in the valley, even when we're through trials, when it's the most difficult. God, we thank you, and we just praise you this morning. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are with us today. If this is your first or second time with us on either online or in person, we're glad that you're with us today. You've got a connection card in your chair that you can uh, fill out at any point during the service. During the service, and we've got a box in the back. You can drop that in uh, on the way out this morning. Or if you're watching online, uh, you can just text here uh, to this phone number. Uh, just say hi to the chat. Let us know you were here. You can scan that QR code if you'd like uh, as well. If you're here, just let us know you were here. Uh, but we'd love the opportunity. Um, just to celebrate that you were here with us today. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I'd show you some pictures of my Thanksgiving, but but you would not believe it. <laughs> it's so good to be with you this morning. I was in last week, and uh, I was watching. Uh, they were loading up the turkey baskets. We had over almost 70 turkey baskets came in um, last week, and so that is huge. We were able to bless the families of in two school districts, uh, two school systems, and then we were also able to bless families uh, through Children's Home and Aid. And then we had uh, five families that we connected with in our community through our online reach initiative. And then we were able to bless several families uh, here at Springbrook as well. So it was so encouraging to see how many of you um, just celebrated by bringing in baskets, and then how many of you worked so hard to get those packed up and delivered uh, on time to the people that uh, were needing them. Our shoe boxes came in. We had, uh, uh, we had so many, sh- they broke a record this year on shoe boxes. And so it was really exciting to see the shoe boxes come in. And then last week we announced um, we had our angel tree 
in our Informed Choices Stars uh, out for uh, kids that we could uh, just share the love of Christ with that were going through difficulties, supporting parents that are working through pregnancy choices. And you took every single one of those stars and angels. And so they are all gone. And so uh, I never cease to be amazed at the generosity of people in this church. Uh, you guys are generous. You're generous with your gifts. You're generous with stewardship, with your giving, with your finances. And we are able to have an impact on our community. And so I just want to take a moment um, to thank you for, uh, for your engagement uh, and the work that God is doing in through our ministry. I also want to encourage you, I don't have any pictures for any of these events. If you are on an event or if you're doing something and you want to take a picture of it, you can upload pictures to us anytime by visiting our website at springbrook.org slash pictures. You can email them to events or if you use Facebook or Instagram, please uh, tag Springbrook uh, CC for Community Church. We'd love the opportunity just to celebrate um, what God's doing in and through you and any ministries that you might be serving in. Um, we have a, a replanted family Christmas gathering coming up on December 10th. And so if you or somebody you know uh, is a family with adoptive care, foster care, safe families, um, we have a Christmas party um, coming up on December 10th from 3 to 5 uh, right here at Springbrook. We'd love the opportunity to come alongside you and just encourage you. We have some resources available for you. Uh, if you are interested in that or you want to point somebody to that uh, website, that would be fantastic. Uh, it's replanted Christmas. It's on our app. It's on our website. Uh, but we'd love the opportunity just to support you and encourage you as you um, move through the holidays. Our seniors are going to be getting together uh, coming up on December 12th. They have a Christmas party. It's going to be here uh, from 1 to 5. And so if you are a senior, if you're retired, and you're trying to get connected to some other uh, folks here at Springbrook, it's a great opportunity for you to do that. They're going to have a blast. Uh, there's information about that on our website and our app as well. And then if you're new to Springbrook, you want to know a little bit more, we invite you to come to our Starting Point workshop uh, coming up uh, Wednesday, November 29th. It's a two-week workshop. We'll be able to help you give just a little bit of information about our church, help you figure out how you can get connected, answer any questions that you have, and so you can sign up for that online um, as well. And we, uh, I have heard so many stories of where God's been at work in your lives. In fact, this morning we were sharing stories of where God has been at work just as we moved through Thanksgiving and work schedules and being time with family. And we heard, you know, stories there. We had stories in our worship team. And I have the privilege of just getting to hear stories of where God is at work in people's lives. And I just want to encourage you that if you've got a story that you'd be willing to share, we'd love the opportunity um, to just to celebrate that with you. So you can visit our website, springbrook.org slash stories. You can scan that QR code. You can text stories to that phone number. Um, we'd love the opportunity just to celebrate what God is doing. There's something about when we come together and, and share that with one another that is just so encouraging. In fact, as we move into 2024, um, we're going to be looking at a series on, uh, on gratitude. And a part of our being grateful is just sharing with others what God's doing. And so if you've got a story you'd like to share, um, we'd love the opportunity to celebrate that with you. In fact, I asked all of our elders just to kind of get this kicked off, our elders and our staff and our key ministry leaders, hey, could you share a story so we can get this ball rolling? And Brian Ford, one of our elders, uh, volunteered to step up. We're going to watch his story, and then we're going to come back together in just a moment. Hello, my name is Brian Ford. I'm blessed enough to be married to Kimberly Ford, and I have three wonderful children, Alexandria, Brian III, and Olivia. We've been attending Springbrook Community Church for about eight years or so now, um, and I have the privilege of serving on the elder board, as well as the facilities team, on the opener and closers team, as well as the prayer team. 
I'm excited for what God has been doing uh, at Springbrook Community Church and in my life personally. Uh, over the last year, I've had a chance to learn about uh, the power of just being able to share testimony and I did some training and learning how to um, evangelize and, and potentially be a street evangelist. And, and God has really used that through some of the training that I've had recently uh, and just being more confident in conversations about sharing my faith with uh, those who, who need to hear it. And so not being uh, afraid or being um, you know, aligned to trying to please man, but being able to please God. And so uh, God's definitely been helping me in this area as well as uh, being able to serve on the elder board at Springbrook has been a, a blessing for me, being able to use uh, all of the gifts God has given me uh, from a business perspective and bring that into the governing body of, of the church. I am really excited about um, the growth that Springbrook Community Church has for next year. Um, excited about the upcoming REACH team and uh, the, the fact that Springbrook is is really focused on helping people uh, share their faith and, and being able to reach our community for Christ. And so uh, the REACH team is just getting started. It's, it's not even fully foundational just yet, but uh, things like glue uh, and bless every home, as well as our go-to workshop are going to be just things that really get me excited because I know there's a, a just something that our church needs to do. Uh, there are so many people in our direct community that need to hear the gospel and excited that uh, we're not running away from that challenge, but living into it. Uh, so we're just praying that God will bless those ministries like I know he will and um, excited about just all the good things that are coming um, and looking forward to uh, Springbrook Community Church growing and reaching this community uh, in different ways. Outstanding. Well, Brian, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> if you go to our website or your text stories, what happens is you just get a link. Uh, it's just a little video. You can kind of record it, and then the thing kind of puts the videos together for you. It's really kind of a convenient thing. So we'd love the opportunity to celebrate what God's doing uh, in your life. And so if you've got a story to share, um, we'd love to celebrate that um, with you. Today, we're kicking off a, a new series. It's called I Am. And we're looking at the seven statements of Jesus that he makes about himself where he says, I am, uh, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the, the world. I'm the door of the sheep. And so we're, there's seven I am statements. And each week we're going to be looking at these I am statements as we move towards um, Christmas. But with each one of these statements that Jesus is making, he is making declarations about himself. Each time that he says, I am, he combines it with a remarkable metaphor. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. So it kind of goes back as a descriptor of, of who he is when he says, I am. And each metaphor um, expresses his saving relationship uh, towards us and towards the world. So it's an expression of how he relates to us as we think about um, our relationship um, with him. Today, we are looking at the first I am statement where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. And it's important before we look at each of these metaphors, because they are descriptors, it's important before we go back and look at these metaphors to understand what Jesus is communicating when he uses the term I am. Back in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is uh, guarding his father-in-law's sheep. He's keeping the flock. Chapter 3, verse 1 of Jethro, the priest of um, Midian. And an angel of the Lord appears to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. God calls out of the bush and says, Moses, 
Moses says, here I am. God says, do not come near. Take off your sandals. Take them off of your feet, for the place that you are standing is holy ground. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look. And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cries of their task from their taskmasters. You know, when I first read that, and we're going to get to the I am statement in just a moment, but one of the things that always ceases to, never ceases to amaze me is how involved God is in the details of our lives. There are times when we feel like we're alone. There's times when we feel like we're brokenness and, and we wonder where God is. And, and as I read through this passage, just a reminder of who God is, he is into the details of our lives. He has seen their afflictions. He has heard their cry. And he is going to bring the Israelites out of the, uh, from under slavery out of Egypt into a land that is good and uh, beautiful and flowing with milk and honey. By the time you get to uh, verse 10, he says, Come and I'm going I'm to send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, so that you might bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And then in verse 13, he says this, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. And so God using that term I am, is, it's, it's related to the name of God himself, to, to the name Yahweh. It's the capital Lord. Whenever you're reading through scripture and you see that capital Lord, it's a reference to the, the I am nature of who God is. It's the Yahweh God. It's derived from the root word uh, Hayah, which means to be, to be in existence. It's the exact same title that Jesus is claiming for himself in these I am statements. I am and the descriptor is the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And so he's using these metaphors to help us to understand his character, his nature, and how we can relate to him. These I am statements are definitive of who Jesus is, but they help us to understand how we can relate to him through these various metaphors. You know, in John chapter 8, um, Jesus is teaching on the, uh, the Mount of Olives and um, the Jews start arguing with him and they accuse him of, of having a, a demon. And uh, Jesus enters into this discussion with them in John chapter 8, beginning in uh, uh, verse 39. They said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to him, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works that your father did. They said to him, were we not born? We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. 
He was our murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And so they, they go back on to, to challenge Jesus, what he's saying, and they accuse him of having a demon because they just can't accept what he's saying. So he must be demon-possessed. And in verse 48, the Jews answered him and said, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus said, I don't have a demon, but I honor, I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never see death. The Jews said to him, well, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as all the prophets did. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he never, he'll never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who's died? And the prophets who died, what do you make yourself out to be? Jesus said, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. If my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him, I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. And then in verse 56, he says this. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And so the Jews said to him, you are not even 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up rocks to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. And so what Jesus is saying here is, is that Abraham rejoiced because he saw Jesus' day. Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and in fact, he did see it, and he was glad. Now, the Jewish leaders were not questioning how Abraham could have possibly seen Jesus in their day. They knew he was dead. They knew he didn't come back to life. And so they're not questioning how Abraham could have seen his day in the present. They went and they asked another way. <laughs> they went on the other end and said, well, how could you go back? How could you go back to see his day with Abraham? He says, you're not even 50 years old. How could you go back that far? What's interesting is they picked 50 years because it was like 1,800 years. <laughs> but what they're saying is, is there's no way you could have gone back and, and let Abraham see this day. But Jesus was telling him that he saw Abraham 1,800 years earlier when, when Abraham rejoiced and came to understand that all the nations would be blessed through him, that there would be a resurrection through a promised seed. And so Jesus was looking down when Abraham came to that understanding and rejoiced. He said, your father Abraham is, has rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. He's still dead in the grave. He's still waiting for the resurrection, but he saw it. I saw these things happen. I saw them because I was with my father in heaven watching before Abraham was even born. I existed before that Abraham was born, I was, I was the I am. I was the great I am. I was the Alpha and the Omega. I was existing in existence watching Abraham celebrate this. Jesus is the great I am. And when it dawned on him what they were saying, he kicked the beehive. <laughs> they, got, they got angry and they got upset and they picked up stones to throw him and to stone him. But he went and he hid because it was not yet his time to be put to death. And so Jesus would ultimately be crucified because of his claims 
to be one with the Father. This is the reason why Jesus would end up being crucified because of his claims to be the great I am. And there's many people that you'll talk to in different circles that don't believe that Jesus is God, but clearly he is. That's why he was put to death was for blasphemy and he proved it when he overcame death on the cross. And so Jesus is claiming to be God. He is God who is the bread of life for us. He is God who uh, is our great shepherd. And so he is a God that we can relate to through these seven I am statements. Today, we're looking at what it means for him to be the bread of life. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. And so Jesus is making a reference to himself to help us to understand how to have a relationship with him by using a common element like something like bread. Bread is one of those elements that uh, was uh, that that everybody was familiar with. I love bread. Most people I know love bread. Most people don't like gluten, uh, but bread was one of those common elements that Jesus was using to help illustrate the point for how we could have a relationship with Him. At the beginning of chapter six, we find that there's this great crowd that is following Jesus. In the book of John, chapter six, you know Jesus has been performing many, many, many miracles. And so he's attracted a following. So by the time you get to chapter 6, there's this, there's this huge uh, crowd that is uh, following him. It says, uh, after Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, there was a large crowd following him because they saw the signs that he was doing, healing the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down with his disciples. It was the Passover feast. Uh, he lifted his eyes up. And seeing the large crowd was, well, that was coming to him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these people can eat? And so he said this to test Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. He was testing Philip to see if his faith was such that he knew Jesus could perform the miracles. And so he set him up to say, well, I've seen you do amazing things already. I know you can, you can take care of this, but that's not what Philip does. You know, Philip answered him, well, it would take at least 200 denarii worth of bread, and that would not even be enough for each of them to eat a little. And so 200 denarii, that's like, that's like a year's wages. In other words, he's been with Jesus. He's seen all these signs, and, and when Jesus puts this question to him, it's almost as if he's saying, there's no way that you can feed all these people. It would take a year's worth of wages to feed them. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. You know, there are not very many of them. Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was a lot of grass. The men sat down. There's about 5,000 in number. Uh, more than the, that, when you include all the ladies and the kids, they sat down. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to those and they were, that were seated. So all the fish, they ate as much as they wanted. In verse 12, it says, And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And that when it says that he has eaten their fill, because I think a lot of times people think about, well, if everybody just took a little nibble, maybe it would go around. (laughs) That's not what happened. It says that when they had eaten their fill, it's as if, it, it, the, the root word for that comes from where we get the word gluttony. They had eaten so much that they couldn't eat anymore. It was like when we got up from the Thanksgiving table Thursday. Like, oh, I am so full. That's what they had done. This was not a little snack that they had had. 
This was not a little meal that they had had. They had eaten until they could eat no more. They had eaten their fill. And then after, and after they had eaten, Jesus told them, gather up the leftover fragments so that we don't lose any. And they gathered them up and they filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten them. And so he picks up five, pick up five bas- or 12 baskets. And I can't help but think that each one of those baskets went to one of the disciples. <laughs> Just so that you get it. You know, they all ate their fill, and, and here's the leftovers. Do you, do you see this amazing miracle pointing to the reality of who I am? When the people saw that sign that they had done, they said, wow, this is the, this is the prophet who was to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him away to force him to be king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. See, the people were waiting for a king that was going to meet all of their physical needs, that was going to deliver them from the, from the, some the slavery from the, from the Romans, and, and was going to, they were looking for a worldly king, and they were going to force Jesus to be the guy. They thought he was the guy, but he retreats because they're not going to force him to do that. That's not the kind of king that he is. His time had not come, and so he, he retreats. When you move into uh, uh, verse 16, it says, When the evening came, the disciples uh, got in a boat and they went over to the other side to the Capernaum. And Jesus did not get in the boat with them. They went over by themselves. The sea became rough uh, because there was a strong wind when they had rowed three or four miles out. Jesus comes walking out to them in the water. He says, don't be afraid, it's me. He gets in the boat and immediately they're taken to the other side. So they've been rowing for three hours. (laughs) Jesus gets in the boat and boom, they're on the other side. The next day, the crowd that had just been fed, that had this great meal, goes back the next day to get breakfast. <laughs> it's like, this is working out pretty good. And so this great crowd shows up on the next day, and they, and they, and they, uh, they remained on that side because they saw that only one boat had left, and Jesus wasn't on the boat. And so they're thinking Jesus is still there. The disciples left, but we, we're going to see Jesus because we want some more food. In the meantime, they figure out that the disciples are not there. They can't find Jesus. And so some other boats come up and they get on those boats figuring, well, let's go over to the disciples. Maybe we'll find Jesus there. And so when they found him on the other side, they get to him and they say, wow, where did you come from? How did you get here? What are you doing on this side? And Jesus says, verse 26, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You're not seeking me because of who I am. You're not seeking me because of these great signs, because of who I'm coming. You're coming specifically to get your fill. You don't understand who I am. You're not seeking me because of my signs, but because you, you want more food. I'm telling you, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal. And so Jesus contrasts two different types of food here. There is food that we work for, and then there's food that he gives that endures to eternal life that the Father has placed his seal on. You know, there is food that we work for that perishes. And every one of us knows what that's like. You buy a head of lettuce and you leave it in the drawer too long, you gotta eat that before it goes bad. We got our Thanksgiving leftovers in the refrigerator and we're trying to eat those before it goes bad. And so we know what it's like to work for food that's going to perish. 
You got to eat it quick. It's going it's to go. We're checking the dates. And, and uh, every once in a while, we buy too much lettuce. We just can't get through it fast enough. And so we work, we labor, we make money to buy food to provide for ourselves. And we, we work to provide roofs over our head and, and cars and to buy gasoline. And everything that we work for is perishable. Nothing that you can see with your eye is going to last forever. And so Jesus is telling him, well, look, don't work for food that perishes. Instead, for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. There's food that endures to eternal life. And Jesus gives us that food. You don't work for it in that way. You don't earn it. But they're not getting the reality of what Jesus is trying to tell them here. Don't labor for the food. Don't be so concerned about the food that's going to perish. Instead, make it a priority. Put your focus on the food that is going to endure to eternal life. And I know that there's many things that we're working for. I, some of the conversations I had with people during this last week, it, it's just, it could be, it's a difficult week for many. And we, and we know that God is going to provide and we know we need to eat. And so Jesus is not saying that your ability to eat is not important. <laughs> but he's saying with regard to sustenance, with regard to our relationship with him, we need to not be so consumed by the things of this world, but rather keep our eyes focused on him. As you move into verse 28, it says, they said to him, well, what, what, what must we do to be doing the works of God? In other words, if we're not going to work for the food that perishes and we're going to work for food that endures to eternal life, what's that work look like? How do we work, do the works of God for that food? Jesus said to them in verse 29, this is the work that you should do, the work of God. Believe in him who he has sent. In other words, the work that we're to do is to to place our faith in Christ, to believe in him. And so they hear that and they say in verse 30, well, well, what sign are you going to give us that we can see and believe in you? What works are you going to perform? In other words, everything that you've done so far has not been significant. I'm hearing what you're saying, but, but we want to see more proof. You know, our fathers ate of the manna in the wilderness for his wit and he gave them bread from heaven to eat. God provided manna for the Israelites to eat in the desert for 40 years. That's a great miracle that God did through Moses. What are you going to do that's greater than that? And so Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you in verse 32, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is, is he who comes down from heaven and he gives life to the world. And they say, wow, we want this bread. And so it's not Moses that gave you the bread. It's, it's God that sent the manna down that was providing bread. And in the same way, he's going to provide new bread for you through the one who comes down from heaven, giving life to this world. You know, that's the bread that they desire. And that's when they say, when he says to them, they want to, they want to know how to get the bread. And he says, well, I am that bread. I am the bread of life who comes to me, shall not hunger, and who believes in me shall not perish. And so they want this loaf of bread that is going to come down and feed them. They're still thinking physically. They haven't connected to the spiritual needs of it yet. But Jesus relates himself to bread. And so if you think about your little manger scene, <laughs> you prepare for Christmas, put a loaf of bread next to that baby. <laughs> 
Jesus is saying, I came down to give you life. That is the significance of what we celebrate at Christmas. As we move through uh, this series, moving towards Christmas, we're going to be celebrating different aspects that help us to understand who Jesus is. Because I don't know if you know it or not, but the, the majority of the people in our culture don't understand who Jesus is. Christmas is not about gifts. It, it's, it, it's not about you know, getting together with family. It's not about time off from work. Christmas is a time where we, we celebrate the birth of a Savior who came down to give us new life. And that's what Jesus is saying to them. I came down to give you new life. He says that in verse 33, I came down. In verse 51, I am the living bread that has come down from heaven. In verse 38, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of he who sent me. And so Jesus has come down to give us new life. And he connects that coming down to bread. And so they say to him, we want that bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. And so as we go back to thinking about what it means to be the bread of life, it's important that we understand fully that, that Jesus is God. That's what he's trying to get across to the Jews that he's talking with. It's important that we understand that Jesus offers us, you know, he offers us eternal life. And we see that all in this contrast of what he sets up to him, what he sets up to them about the food. And so we've got the, oh, the food, little food slide here. I'm going to find that food slab. It kills me. There it is. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. This, this bread of life is what God's offering us that is going to take us into eternity. That's also what Jesus is trying to get across to, the, to, these, uh, to these Jews. You know, you know, you're looking for these signs, you know, but you're missing the reality of, of who I am. And so Jesus is trying to help them to understand, you know, who he is and what he's offering. You know, he offers us eternal life. And I, you know, in verse 29, it talks about the, the work of God. The work of God for us is putting our faith in Jesus. And if you have placed your faith in Christ, if you have eternal life, then, then this life is as bad as it's going to get. So I don't know what's going on in our lives. We all have stuff that's going on. And, you know, like I mentioned, it's been a, you know, a week where it's been a lot of um, loneliness, a lot of pain. There's people in the hospital. And so for many, they're struggling to try to find a place to be grateful in the midst of this week. You need to know that if your hope is in Christ and you have eternal life, this life is as bad as it's going to get. But if you don't have eternal life, then this life is going to be as good as it gets for you. You know, the reality of understanding who Jesus is and what he offers us really helps us to understand how we connect with him and how we have a relationship with him. Jesus is God, and he offers us eternal life. And we find eternal life only in him. That's where we find eternal life. We find eternal life in Jesus Christ alone. He comes down from heaven. He would be broken. He'd give his life for us. He'd die a gruesome death on the cross for us so that our sins can be you know, paid for through his death on the cross. We find forgiveness of sins and we find eternal life. And so we find eternal life in him. And so how do we, how do we claim that eternal life? We find it in him. How do we, how do we find it? You know, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. 
If you eat of this bread, you'll live forever. And, the, and that bread I'm going to give you for that, that, that life is, in the, is in, the, in the world, is in my flesh. And so we find new life through what Christ accomplished on the cross, through his death on the cross. But we also find it in him as we read and we study and apply his words to our lives. We find eternal life in him we, as we abide in him. And so we find that life, we live that life out, we experience it as we abide in Jesus. In uh, verse 51, John 6, or in chapter 1 of uh, John, Jesus claims that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. And so God, God existing in three persons, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, were all equally God, coexisted, and Jesus came down, and has given us his word. In the beginning was the word. He was there. He was with God. He was God. And then in the beginning was, he was with God. And so we've got God's word as we, as we study it, as we apply that to our lives, as we put ourselves into a position of obedience to it. We begin to abide in him. We find new life there. We get to claim that new life that he promises and we get to experience that. And so we find eternal life when Christ comes into us as we study his word and apply it to our lives. Jesus is, uh, is, is equally God. We have a relationship with him as the Holy Spirit draws us into a relationship with himself. The Holy Spirit is external, and then we have to, we have to ask him into our life. It's, the, it's the, what he refers to in verse 52 is, is eating his flesh. You know, I am the bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. And that bread I'm going to give is the word of my flesh. And then, and then the Jews heard that. They disputed amongst themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on his flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my body is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I abide in him. And so we, you know, for many, this is not cannibalism. <laughs> you know, many people, when they read that the first time, thought he was talking about physically eating himself. And, you know, that, that makes absolutely no sense. You got to wonder what they're thinking uh, when they ask the question, well, how are we supposed to eat him? <laughs> you know, some think that, you know, when you read through this passage, that they're talking about communion. Um, there are some that believe that when you take communion, that that, that that bread actually becomes physically the body of Christ and that blood, actually, the wine actually becomes the blood. And so it's called transubstantiation where it's actually changed and there's something different about it. And when you take communion, you're not just taking bread and juice, you're, you're eating flesh and drinking blood. And so that, that's what some uh, you know, would, would uh, ascribe to this passage. The problem with both of those is that doing that does not lead to life. And so if, if I thought I could have new life in Christ by simply going to eat some communion, then I would just do that. <laughs> and so communion does not offer us new life. You know, it doesn't, to feed on him is to abide in him and to his word. Jesus is the, is the bread and that's where we find, you know, life as we abide in him and study and apply his words uh, to our life. And so as we think about, you know, what it means to be the bread of life, you know, it's an understanding that, that Jesus is fully God. It's an understanding that he meets all of our needs, regardless of our circumstances, no matter what's going on in our life. If, if we have him in our life, 
our best life is to come. And he offers us eternal life. And we get to experience that as we abide in his word, study his word, and apply it to our lives. And so as we move through this series, and we're going to be looking at each one of these metaphors that describe who he is. But, you know, it's my prayer for each of us as we, as we do move into this that we don't get caught up into the things of this world. You know, it's really easy to be focused on food that perishes uh, and lose sight of food that provides everlasting life. And so I just want to encourage you that as we go through this, um, you know, study these passages with us. We have a, a Bible reading plan that we're going to be going through together as a church. Um, I want to encourage you that if you've got questions about how to have a relationship with Christ or how to abide in his word or you want to get involved in uh, our Bible reading plan, you can just text uh, next steps to that number or let us know how we can help you um, to be able to experience uh, the fullness of what Christ has to offer as we move towards this Christmas season. He is the great I am. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you that, um, that you are the great I am and that we can relate and connect with you through something as simple as a meal. Um, God, I thank you for, um, for your words that are living and active. It is, they divide to the sword, soul. They change our lives. Uh, God, we just thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. As we move towards Christmas this year, uh, I just pray that you give us fresh eyes uh, to see you and that we would be able to explore the fullness of a relationship with you. And uh, we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs> stand as we continue in worship this morning. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken great are you Lord it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken, and great are you, Lord, it's your
sing all the earth. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. church as we prepare to leave this place this morning let's go knowing that we are just children of God knowing that we've been redeemed by the lamb that was brought here through the birth of imperfection Through that, he was perfect and died for us. Let's go knowing that there is reason to this season. That it's an opportunity to show those that we meet how we are different and what we believe. use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. Thank you, Father. Let's do this and go in peace. Thank you.